0: This podcast has been made possible by Planful and U.S. Bank. This is episode
1: 622. CFOs have to have a, a pulse on what's going on in the business, not just on what is being spent. They need to know. What are the scenarios of what could happen? how would How would we forecast that? and what would the impacts be on every organization and department throughout the business? and And that type of visibility and, and that type of thought process is something that, in, in my view, uh, not only do, do CFOs need to transform within themselves and, and encourage, but also to start to build into their their bench and, and as they develop and, and grow their teams.
0: Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak to Shane Hansen, CFO of Planful. Shane stepped into the CFO office at Planful in April, shortly after the arrival of COVID. Meanwhile, a capital raise quickly followed last spring. Needless to say, it's been a busy few months for Planful's new CFO. Among other topics, we speak to Shane about how finance can raise the IQ of its organization. Our discussion with CFO Shane Hansen begins after this. In an ever-changing world, it can be tough to keep up with the latest FP&A trends and innovations that keep you ahead of the game. Luckily, there's a podcast for that. Tune in to Being Planful, the podcast for finance leaders and planning experts, and stay in the know about what's happening in planning and forecasting. Guests like influencer Chris Ortega, Boston Red Sox CFO Tim Zhu, and Brian Lapidus of AFP will keep you up to speed on how you can put finance in the driver's seat this year. Find the full episodes at beingplanful.com or wherever you get your podcasts. P.S. Think you might make a great guest on the show? Shoot host Rowan Tonkin an email at beingplanful at planful.com. Hello, we're speaking with Shane Hansen, CFO of Planful. Shane, welcome.
1: Thank you. Great to be with you.
0: Shane, we're going to start where we always do, which is to ask our guests to look back for us, tell us a little bit about themselves and those experiences they feel prepared them to be a CFO. What what comes to mind for you?
1: Well, thank you, Jack. And I, I think, you know, my career, I would say is similar to uh, a choose your own adventure storybook that you might read as a kid. Uh, I was in in Central Russia during the debt crisis of 1998 and witnessed the ruble go through hyperinflation. I was working in uh, Santa Cruz, Bolivia during the gas conflict there that led to uh, protests and the eventual government change. Uh, I was also in New York City and Philadelphia in the 2008 financial crisis and the ensuing economic meltdown. And I guess, you know, I I was fortunate to join Planful at at the onset of this uh, coronavirus pandemic. And so I guess in short, I I view my career as a a, a series of decisions uh, made in the midst of of great diversity.
0: (laughs) Wow. Now that's a trail of challenges. Uh, But... Can I ask what what uh, what brought you to Russia then, way
1: back when? You bet. I was in Russia primarily doing economic development research and and teaching Western style economics uh, at the university in Bashkortostan.
0: And and you did this by you you knew a neighbor who said, "Hey, they have an opening." How did you get there, Shane? <laughs> no,
1: no. Part part of that was uh, the Fulbright program through the government. I I offered a a grant to to do some research on how we might uh, assist some of their fledgling economies in in the central portions of Russia, and was fortunate enough to receive the funding.
0: It's a very interesting kickoff for you, and I'm wondering, some uh, folks come out of their academic world and they know it's going to be finance. It doesn't seem to me you were still finding your way. It seems to me like you uh, could have gone any one of, of a number of directions. Is what I'm getting at. And uh, w- is that accurate, or how would you? What would you tell us?
1: Absolutely. You know, initially, uh, I was pretty intent on on saving the world, as, as I described it. I, I worked with some nonprofits. Uh, I spent some time in, as I mentioned, in in Santa Cruz in Bolivia doing microenterprise consulting and you know we took 10 businesses by the scruff of the neck and, and kind of forced them to change uh, super fun to see uh, you know one of them was a a shoemaker and by introducing a few basic principles like don't eat your inventory and, and and don't spend money before you you make it we were able to to get him from you know $100 a month which doesn't sound like a lot to $800 a month. A fantastic impact on him and his family. Wow, what
0: a what a wonderful story. It's like uh, you take a successful business and you strip away the veneers and you just find the same core principles. But take us a little further down the path. And uh, I, I have a sense that you're always sort of a, what I would refer to as strategy-minded. Uh, you weren't necessarily thinking of a finance track uh, until... Maybe a decade into your career. Give us a better sense of when it began to, when you began to find your feet on that finance leadership path.
1: Yeah. So when I finished up uh, my MBA, I I received some good advice uh, along the lines of go to a a company and and try to spend up to a decade there and really learn the ins and outs of the business. And so I joined uh, the Symantec Corporation and I had a number of roles, uh, was in mergers and acquisitions, was in sales operations, uh, led some marketing teams and spent a fair amount of time in finance, uh, finished my tenure there as, as the vice president of finance and in, in enterprise security. And it was really there where uh, I caught the vision of the impact of making decisions and how good decision making could could change a company.
0: I want to learn more about uh, your semantic chapter. but first, let me just ask. you got a, you, you got an MBA and you have a law degree. So at one point in time were you thinking law or was it a compliment in some way because it looks like both those degrees got in the queue at the same time?
1: Yeah, I, I had a, a great interest in education. Uh, I enjoy learning. I loved the intellectual gymnastics that, that law school provided. Uh, my intent was really to use that more as a background. Uh, I did spend some time with Wilson, Cincini, Goodrich, and Rosati, uh, and in the conversations with clients, I I learned that I I felt like I was on the wrong side of the table. I, I wanted to be more in the business, more in the strategy, more in the execution.
0: At that place in time, semantic, that sort of really did get you focused throughout that time. There, you were pretty steadily climbing what would be uh, more of a traditional finance career or how did you look at it?
1: Yeah, I, I looked at it as, you know, I wanted to learn as much as I could about the different parts of the business. And uh, I felt very fortunate to have the opportunity to, to work in different areas and, and to get that exposure. And, and as I, as I gained a strong understanding of the go to market and, and, the, the indirect channel and, and other aspects of, of Symantec's business, uh, I found that I was, was uh, able to, to uh, be more influential as we, we guided the overall strategy of the company and, and the execution and the performance. And that led me uh, more towards the finance track and, and uh, the opportunities there. Now, when,
0: where were you when you first stepped in? Let's say, refer to it as a finance leadership role. I know you were a divisional CFO in your past. Share some of uh, when you be- took on those more leadership uh, types of roles.
1: The, the role you mentioned is the, the divisional CFO at Vivint Smart Home, uh, really had an opportunity there uh, to come in and highlight uh, a few indicators or metrics that would uh, drive growth and, and and improve valuation for the company. One of those, you know, when we came in and, and the cost to acquire a customer was exceedingly high and uh, just reducing that by almost 70% uh, really eliminated their dependency on debt and enabled them to accelerate their growth. So that, that was a, a large role for me in, in, uh, transforming the business model and the business results for that company.
0: Well, I'm going to want to circle back with you uh, during the mentoring round, have a few more career-related questions. No one could do exactly how you did it, but uh, we always like to point out how people do it differently, how they build their careers differently, the types of experiences that they believe put them on a finance leadership path. And this is just a really interesting background for us. So thank you for sharing it. Um, Right now, let's find out about Planful. Tell us about Planful and uh, the opportunity that was before you uh, as you joined this company.
1: Yeah. So Planful is a financial planning and analysis cloud platform provider. And uh, we really unify the financial planning the financial close and consolidation, uh, the reporting, the analytics, all into one place with the idea that uh, finance leaders need to be empowered to, to drive confident and impactful decisions. And so, you know, I, when I came across the, the opportunity of Planful, uh, given my, my experience in enterprise software. And what I had experienced in a number of finance organizations, uh, what they offered I guess I should say what we offer, uh, really rang true to me in, in being a game changer uh, for, for finance organizations, small and large. Now, did I just see, now you uh,
0: joined recently, you, you actually joined in April. We're going to touch on the pandemic with you. Your timing is, is interesting, sure. Uh, but- Since April, you've, uh, Planful's raised some funding. Is that correct? Did I see a press release recently? I believe I have.
1: Yes, that's correct. Vector Capital uh, has been fantastic to work with. They really believe in uh, the business and the concept and accelerating the growth. And so very shortly after I joined, uh, we raised a round of funding with with Vector and, and some of the other uh, capital partners that, that initially purchased um, Planful a year and four or five months ago.
0: Now, stepping into the role, we always like to, usually I say, uh, because you've only been there, uh, this is the first three three month period, I, I imagine. I ask you if you've reorganized finance or if you've made a key hire. Tell us, as you stepped into the role, how were you going to make it your own? Uh, understanding that most of your milestones
1: still are in the future. Yeah, joining Planful as the pandemic hit has been in some ways a, a dream-like experience. Uh, to date, I still have not yet met most of the team members in person. Um, we have a very strong team uh, and they've demonstrated a, a cohesion, a camaraderie that's been very impressive to me. I've been very pleased with everyone's ability to work remotely. Um, you know, and as I came in, I really set my sights on 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 three things. The first was was setting a vision. Uh, the second was was making sure we cover the basics, and then the third was uh, how do we accelerate growth. And I can I can go into those, uh, Jack, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, please uh, share a little bit of behind each of those. What 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 are you up to?
1: Yeah. So in in terms of setting a vision. I'm really keen on having Planful be a world-class FP&A organization and and definitely be one of the best users of the Planful platform. I think that's important for us as an organization to eat our own cooking, so to speak. Uh, On the second initiative of covering the basics, particularly in times like these where there's high levels of uncertainty, um, we need to be able to iterate on you know company plans and department plans we need to be able to adjust budgets and investments and 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 offer forecasts that illuminate some of the potential paths forward um, so I'm, I'm talking about basic competencies here like you know a, a direct method cash flow forecast that we we really don't want to to mess up so that's what i meant by make sure we're proficient in covering the basics and then finally accelerating growth you know i, I really want to begin with our end in mind and work backwards from there to uncover the activities that are, are critical for us to, to, to do over the next couple quarters. Uh, and maybe if I give an example there, what, what actions would we need to consider uh, to improve our customer life cycle or our customer experience that will ensure our customers are, are getting the optimal value from our platform so that, that we have low customer churn and, and a very strong platform to grow from.
0: You've intrigued me.
1: What what exactly
0: do you have to do? Again, customer churn is something every company uh, you know, is concerned about. Finance has begun picking apart that relationship, that customer relationship and studying the touch points to understand better where does that attrition begin or what triggers it. Uh, have you learned anything or have you applied new resources to any one piece of it?
1: Yeah, my primary focus has been to to start to peel back the onion at each point of engagement across our customer journey and understand from a customer perspective uh, what they receive, what their experience is, and and how they rate that. And so, you know, we have received uh, very good reviews, particularly over the last several months, where, you know, our usage has been up north of 25% where it had been. Um, and just trying to understand those who are successfully using the tool, what are they doing well compared to those who, who are struggling to get the value? And we see, uh, you know, the more users, the more information, the more decision-making that, that takes place on the platform, uh, the better they enjoy and report out on their customer satisfaction.
0: So can you boil things down for us? I always, we always like to ask for, uh, you know, the metrics that are top of mind with different CFOs. And it's interesting from industry to industry, sometimes they vary. Now that we're in this strange environment, cash is always a, a primary concern for so many businesses. You know, if we were to ask you for those top of mind numbers that you're keeping a close eye on uh, these days, what what would they
1: be? Yeah, so I've I've been pretty fortunate to come into to a platform like Planful where I, I have this CFO dashboard that I can look at each morning, and uh, you know I I've got it split into some of the leading indicators and some of the ladding, lagging indicators, and you know clearly keeping a, a a watch on our type our top line the amount and and health of our pipeline, uh, I like to to keep an eye on the number of conversations where a cross-sell opportunity is offered and and making sure that I understand the momentum and and the trajectory in the pipe. Uh, And then more on on some of the lagging, I I really, uh, as I mentioned, have a close eye on customer churn, uh, our our net promoter score, our customer reference ability, and then basic things like our our gross margin and and the different components that that roll into, the cost to acquire a customer and the lifetime value of the customer wanted
0: to you know is there a particular number since you arrived that surprised you uh, maybe it wasn't getting as much attention in the organization as you thought it should or maybe it was just not uh, getting as frequently reported as it should have been or you felt it should be or maybe there was a part of the organization a particular team that didn't seem to have any, uh, you know, attention, devote <laughs> any attention to it. And sometimes maybe it's a net promoter score, but it doesn't have to be a financial number. Uh, anyway, is there any numbers uh, like I described that perhaps you said, hey, like, can't we make this more visible in some way, uh, something like that?
1: Yeah, I, I think one thing that uh, I've been able to dive into that maybe wasn't uh wasn't under the microscope was the, the reach and breadth of our product. And, and by that, you know, in, in, in the telco industry, maybe you would refer to it as, um, uh, revenue generating units or the number of products per customer, uh, and for us at planful, it's, it's the breadth of the use of the platform. Are they using the, the various functionality and does and that leading them to better decisions? And that's, that's been very interesting to look at. So
0: this is a, a hypothetical, but let's say Planful has invested a lot of time and resources in certain functionality that uh, finance team members can leverage or organizations can leverage, but it still hasn't uh, gotten all the users that it would have hoped. The, the users, and I'm not saying this is the situation, the users are still focused on this same 40%. How do we get them to leverage the rest of all of what this, uh, this offering brings to them? So I guess I'm getting at is where does it begin? Where do you achieve
1: buy-in? How do you achieve it? Yeah, it's really, uh, I think conceptually people buy into this idea of continuous planning. And I think, uh, you know, making the transition to that is, is, is more difficult for some than it is for others. But, having your budget, your plan in the platform, and then using some of your dynamic and scenario planning, uh, to increase the frequency at which you make decisions and the frequency at which you supply your business partners and, and, and the leadership of the company with information, uh, there, there's, there's so much value to be had there as you shift to a continuous planning mindset. Uh, and it, it's it's exciting to see customers like Bose or the Boston Red Sox who really have caught that vision, have implemented things quickly, and are seeing uh, in almost instant value from the platform.
0: What's missing, though, when you get to an organization that they're just not ready to to go on the continuous planning journey, or maybe they're on stage... You know, the second stage. And there's these three other stages that they need to get to. So they they could be called laggards, I suppose. And, uh, you know, it's very often not about the team members, isn't it? It's, it's really maybe about the leadership and about uh, the CFO who, for whatever reason, may uh, favor legacy uh, approaches, legacy processes, legacy ways of doing things.
1: Or no. Yeah, I, one thing that that I believe in is that finance leaders, part of their job is to elevate the financial IQ of their entire organization. And, and I think we're seeing the, the role of the CFO in particular and the finance organization at large uh, expand and, and change. And I think the, the old style perception of finance as a service desk is, is going away and transitioning more towards a strategic advisor role for the entire organization. And so I, I, you know, the, the ability to have business users in, in marketing at, at, in all corners and at the far edges of the business, have them have access to their budgets, to their plans, to the information they need to make their decisions and be a part of the tool We've seen that, seen that pay uh, pay dividends.
0: Let me ask you this, because it seems to me that many CFOs, seasoned CFOs, are skilled at development, developing talent for a service desk and may not be developing their talent the right way to have them understand that they have to play a more strategic role. It begins with them, clearly, because they're developing the talent. They're mentoring it. Their team is mentoring others down the food chain.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. And, and I, I think, you know, CFOs, they have to have a, a pulse on what's going on in the business, not just on what is being spent. They clearly they need to, to know the spending, but they need to know what's coming in. They need to they need to know uh, the various scenarios of what could happen in today's environment. What, what are the scenarios of what could happen? How would how would we forecast that? And what would the impacts be? On every organization and department throughout the business, and and that type of visibility, and and that type of thought process is something that, in, in my view, uh, not only do the CFOs need to to uh, transform within themselves and, and encourage, but also to start to build into their their bench and and as they develop and and grow their teams. Uh I want to ask you to. Uh share with us, we've touched
0: on COVID somewhat, but this current environment, I have to believe is uh, challenging so many organizations. And likewise, Planful is, is, you know, observing its corporate clients very closely, trying to understand the behaviors, how they're reacting, what does it mean exactly? Can you share with us some observations about what you've observed as far as uh, how the pandemic is impacting your business?
1: Yeah, cl- clearly a, a black swan event here has, and it, it's, it's underscored the need, and, and I say need as opposed to nice to have uh, for, for a modern fp platform, you know, that uses the accurate data uh, to really drive that iterative decision-making that we were talking about. Our, our clients have expressed, you know, their appreciation for these tools and, and for the visibility and, and for us, I, uh, you know, the use of this platform internally has increased leaps and bounds and, and we've seen it, as I mentioned, increase across our customer base by over 25%. Um, we, we also have, have uh, introduced or maybe reframed the offering uh, so that in, into a, a launch of what we're calling planful now so that, that businesses can get help, you know, in this critical time in as little as 20 days. Uh, and, and those those are, you know, being able to have that up and running quickly, we, we've heard is, is critical. Um, I, I also think, you know, to your question about what we're seeing, uh, we, we are, I think the whole world is, is operating in an information poor environment and, uh, organizations, including ours, we're doing the best we can to to make decisions based on the information that's currently available and and modeling the what if scenarios uh, so that we can make better decisions uh, faster.
0: Well, Shane, we're up to our finance strategic moment question. And again, this is where we ask you, and you've had many of these over the years, but we're asking you just to sort of pluck one out of your a long career uh, where your lines of sight into the organization allowed you to see either an opportunity or a risk or something that led you to point the team or the organization in a different direction. Does anything come to mind when we ask for a finance strategic moment?
1: Yeah, so I have one experience that uh, was really meaningful to me and it highlighted uh, the importance of having multiple views and a a, a holistic approach to the decision-making process. Uh, We had made a a decision as a company uh, earlier, we had purchased years earlier, uh, a company out of the UK and their performance had been steady, but had not grown. And the decision was made to divest resources and pull them away from that business. And uh, I, I had been looking at this decision and, there were probably 10 indicators that pointed towards increasing the investment. And as I, as I highlighted the market, the competitive dynamics, the customer perspective, the internal viewpoints, our retention, our pricing, our growth trajectory, our, met our margins, um, given that I had all of that information at my fingertips, uh, I was able to, to to lead an effort to reverse that decision, and instead of divesting, we actually invested in that business, and uh, saw the best performance the the business had probably ever seen uh, since being acquired shortly after that investment. So to me, that was that was a, a pivotal moment for me in my career that that showed the the power of decision making with multiple data driven inputs.
0: When we come back, CFO Shane Hansen enters the mentoring round after this. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. Com. We're back with Shane Hanson and we're entering the mentoring round. Shane, this is where we ask you to look back and think about uh, one of those early finance leadership roles that you had. And what is it that you would tell yourself if you could just offer yourself some advice,
1: what would it be? You know, I, I think if I could go back and, and, and uh, almost send a note to myself in the past, I, I would say, slow down. And, and enjoy the journey. Often I, I believe we feel pressure to get to the next position or the next place or the next promotion. And you know, enjoying the journey and learning as we go really enables us to, to perform better and, and to gather more input that, that improves our decision making. So that's one thing I would say, Jack.
0: Great, great example. Do you have a, uh, we always like to ask guests to reflect a little on the personal side if there's a habit or part of their daily routine that they think has contributed to their success over the years, has kept them on an even keel in some ways. Anything come to mind when we ask for a personal habit or part of a routine that you have?
1: Yeah, so I, I have two two short examples in, on that, uh, two habits, if you will. Uh, the first one is, is really, I'm, um, I'm very curious and I love to read uh, everything that I can, can get my hands on. Um, I, I, I found that has served me well in, in being uh, aware of, of topics that I otherwise maybe wouldn't had I, had I stuck to my specific industry. And then the second, the second uh, example is, is one that my father taught me when I had a goal to become an Eagle Scout and I was just starting and it seemed unachievable. And he taught me, you know really set small achievable goals that lead to a, a large unachievable goal. And you know that was one merit badge at a time, one camp out, one knot, one knife carving session. Uh, and I've, I've tried to keep that with me throughout my career that that setting small achievable goals that I can cross off and and push forward each day, each week, and each month. <laughs>
0: That's wonderful. Thank you for that. Uh, is there a is there a book uh, you'd recommend? Doesn't have to be a finance book, uh, but would you have a book selection for us?
1: You, you bet. I uh, I like to collect books. I've I've read some. I, I think maybe my one of my favorites is uh, Leadership and Self Deception by the Arbinger Institute, and it. It really is a great little book that helps you understand what your true motivations are and how you can uh, escape from the proverbial box that maybe inhibits us from reaching our desired destinations. Oh,
0: wonderful. Great. We,
1: We certainly we haven't had that one
0: before, I must say. So thank you for that. And we're finally there at the final question where we ask you to look forward for us. Uh, once again, and share your priorities as a CFO over the next 12 months.
1: Yeah, so we've talked a little bit about how uh, finance is leading the charge and the role for the CFO is evolving to be an enabler of of business-wide capabilities. Um, You know, this, this new role about elevating the financial IQ of the company, it, providing the right technology, the right data, the right training uh, to leaders in every corner of the business. You know that, That's really where I'm focused. And so my, my priorities uh, are unchanged. One, I'm, I'm, I'm still setting and holding to the vision I believe in, that, that Planful is uh, the cloud FP&A platform of choice. Um, and, and then number two, really ensuring that we're competent and proficient in covering the basics. And then number three, really discovering creative ways to enable our business to to grow amidst this adversity.
0: Shane Hansen, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Thank you. Hello listeners, do us a favor Be certain to subscribe to CFO Thought Leader on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or Google Play. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Oh, and by the way, the CFO Yearbook 2021 Print Edition debuts on Amazon this quarter, featuring 100 profiles of finance leaders from our 2020 season. Would you like to learn more about our CFO guests? Order the CFO Yearbook 2021. Thank you for supporting our efforts to bring you career journeys of CFOs driving change. We'll be back with another episode very soon. Thank you for listening.